BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club August Edition. Hello to my girls, Dana, Becky, Snitch. How's everyone doing today? Let's go in that order of DBS because it was a Dana's choice this month. August is the month of Clara and the Sun, My Dark Vanessa, and what did we read last August? And Flicker in the Dark. That's the outlier. Wow. Flicker in the Dark. I feel like that was the number one. When no, but that's the like- outlier because August is always a very literary month. Yes. In terms of your choices. That's the theme I'm sensing. And I do feel like this month's book, I Could Live Here Forever by Hannah Halperin, it was the perfect August Dana's choice. Agreed. How are you doing, Dana? I'm great. Um, guys, I went to the Drake concert last night with Jackie's husband, Zach. So <laughs> oh that my God. was my big I- highlight. <laughs> I was wondering who Zach went with. I was like, yeah, like he probably went like alone. But that makes so much more sense. Thank you for the clarity. That's so funny. Yeah, I hit up my BFF from work, Stephanie, the one who bought out the Redheads merch store for our whole team and was like, you got to get me these Drake tickets in the Paul Weiss box. And she was like, done and done. So um, to be eligible for an invite, you had to be a raging Drake fanatic. And it was so good. Like... It's just incredible to go to a concert where you know every single word spanning 2008 to present. Like, it's unlike Well, you else. know every single word, period, to every spanning single 2008 song. Yes, to but when the canon is that large, when every single word of every single song equals, like, 62 songs, it's a different experience. Did Zach know every word? Yes. Oh, he's probably better than me. He knows everything. No, wow. but you had clearly, like, a higher tolerance for Drake's newer stuff because Zach was kind of over it when... He stopped playing the old stuff. Yeah, I was over it too, but like I was down to bop around still. But in terms of like quality of show, the first half was incredible. And I did not need to see 21 Savage for another minute. Like who is how, 21 Savage? How long was the show? Like was it Taylor Swift level? Like three and a half hours? A little shorter. It was like nine to 11. I honestly left okay. a little early. Like I looked up the set list. It was only 21 Savage songs left. I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Was it at MSG? Yes. That's great. And then was it like an eras type, like all of his albums, or was it only the new stuff? So I see Drake every single time he goes on tour, and I always complain that he doesn't do enough of the old stuff. And for an hour and a half, he did straight up old nuggets. It was incredible. <laughs> My only complaint is like he did a medley a lot of a lot of them, and I like to hear mm, the entire song because there's like verses I want to rap that he didn't get to. But overall, like he fitted all in, and I think I would have rather that. What I think is so interesting, though, is that he did two nights at Barclays and he's doing two nights at MSG, like, just do a stadium. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It was Maybe there's more money this way. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Good question. More Switch. hours performing. That's the damn sure. I honestly mm-hmm. don't know if he could sell out like MetLife. I mean, he must. But have I feel like if he I didn't even know yeah. this concert was happening. But maybe that's <laughs> a me problem. No, he's like not what he used to be. I don't know if he could garner the same crowd as like a Taylor Swift or an Ed Sheeran at MetLife. I mean, definitely not as Taylor Swift. Like, let's be real, guys. Ed Sheeran, yeah, I think he could get that kind of crowd. I don't know. That's a good point. Well, I'm glad you had a nice night with my husband. (laughs) I'm glad he had a good date. My husband had a nice night with you. (laughs) And I'm happy that the two of you who love Drake so much were able to go together. And I'm I'm glad, like, Zach was able to go. So nice of you that you got him a ticket. And um, I'm happy for you that you had a a fellow Drake stand with you. Thank you so much. We missed you dearly. It only would have been better if you were there. I, I think know, that I even think if so. Jackie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah even if she could have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jack doesn't go to Luke Holmes or Taylor Swift, but she does <laughs> go to Drake. <laughs> That's what she's been saving up for. Yeah, Snitch, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I will save you, spare you the details, Jax. But went to Luke Holmes in Boston this weekend. And it was gorgeous and fantastic and amazing, but we dearly missed our sister Jax. Um, I'm taking my permit test tomorrow, which I haven't even said on my Instagram yet. So, But this episode will be will up be. next week, so everyone will know how you did, because I'm sure you'll share. Well, if I fail, I don't know that I'll be sharing, so you might have to cut this out. <laughs> no, but you can let the redheads know exclusively that you are taking your test. Yes, I'm taking my test. I don't know why. It just like came over me that like I have to to get my license so step one is the permit test I've been studying all week and it's just I was being so annoying this weekend like when we were driving like I'd see like road signs and I'd be like this means that a divided highway ends here um (laughs) you were being a camper yeah oh my god I was being so annoying I was like you know that like a motorcyclist like has the legal like right to take up the entire length of the lane um but anyway so that's really been what's been going on with me um just you know studying the DMV guide um, so more to come there. I feel like I'd fail that test if I took it right By now. the way, 100%. everybody, I've, everyone that like, I like read the questions off to like at work, friends, anything, literally nobody knows the answers. No, even when you just said something about a motorcycle in a lane, I was like, don't have any recollection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But thank you. Bex, how are you? Our bride to be. I'm great. The countdown is so real Mm -hmm. and I'm officially getting married in like a month and some change. It's absolutely not okay. That's Um, crazy. This is actually your last Redheads episode as an unmarried woman because not to change the subject because we're going to come back to wedding planning, but this is the last episode before my maternity leave. So there will be no September episode and the next episode of the Redheads will be October, which is insane to think about. I didn't know that. Yeah, it feels so long away. Oh my god, you guys. Next time I see you, Jax is going to have a new baby and I'm going to be a fucking bride. You're going to be a wife. Oh, that's what I mean. A wife. You're a bride now. (laughs) That's what I mean. I got to get my, my, the shift. Not yet though. Um, Wow, that's what a what a time of transition for us redheads. It's crazy that on the redheads we've seen you in all these phases of your life. Like when you first started the redheads, you were in a different relationship. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Then you were single. Yeah. Then you were dating Evan. Yeah. Now you're engaged to Evan. Yeah. And then we'll have wifey Bex. Wifey Bex with a husband. Oh my goodness. So everything's good. I'm like truly in the countdown and. 
I'm so excited. It's going to be epic. So I'm just like the anticipation is building and I'm just like trying to live my life as normally as possible, even though I don't spend one waking second not like thinking about this wedding. So that's where I'm at mentally, physically, emotionally. You'll see me just like in a bubble. Um, I didn't go to any concerts this weekend. Sorry to disappoint (laughs) to my gals. Um, But... That's all for me, chickies. Jax, how are you doing? Jax, this is your last episode without Bebe. That's Crazy. true. I'm just super pregnant, so enjoying the joys of that and wrapping my head around the fact that this is our last episode of the Redheads before the mat leave, which is only a month um, for the podcast, but still. Also, it's knowing you, you're going to like literally read more books than all of us like mm-hmm. during your Combined. mat leave. Yeah, well, you know what? When I, when Harry was a newborn, I actually didn't read that much. Like, you would think it would be a good time to read, like, breastfeeding, Kindle. But I just, like, my brain was on overdrive, and I just didn't really want to use it. And the books that I did read were really bad. But I don't know. I think they were bad books, but I also was looking for bad books. I didn't want to be, like, challenged or anything. But then also when you choose bad books, like, you also are not interested in reading them. So I didn't find that I read a lot in the postpartum phase last time but who knows maybe this time will be different but I've been reading a lot in the pre-partum phase so I I'll probably reach my goal very soon and that way I could take like a month or two off from reading and it won't affect my Goodreads goal which is really all I care about in this world 100% as you should yeah your priorities are definitely straight how's everyone's Goodreads goals doing I didn't set one I never do I don't like to put pressure on myself how many books have you read this year? I didn't set That's one either. That's a good question. But Let me tell you. I don't, yeah, but does Goodreads I, still count how many you've read? Yes. Let me look. Okay. What are you at? I feel like it's a good mid-year check-in. Yeah. We just wrapped up 1H. What's 1H? First half for those corporate girlies out there. <laughs> oh. Was, is end of oh, July 1H? I didn't, 1H, know, I didn't or know end of June? that was a thing. End of, Ju- end of June. End of June is the end of Q2. So we're edging yeah. on. We just were like a month into Q3, which is the back I've never half heard of year. 1H. Like we just do oh, everything me neither. by order. But I love that. And 1H is the perfect time to check in on our Goodreads. See if Absolutely. we're ahead behind. Same for okay, the I'm listeners. Like, how. Take stock. I've read 31 books this year and my goal is 40. Whoa, Jack. So I feel like that's realistic because that way I have hot. enough. I'm nine books ahead. I'm pacing what are you? shit as fuck. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> 13, and I guess I set a reading goal of 40. Wow. It's never too late, Snitch. It's never too late to change my goal. Mm-hmm. Not to make you feel worse, but eight of those books are Redheads books. So <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Living my life. Those books are redheads books. I've probably read nine or ten books. Jackie, I'm living my life. I know, but you just hang out with Emily, and she reads all the time. So what? I know, like her Goodreads score isn't isn't in the shitter. So it's a really great question. Thank you so much for asking. Dana, how many have you read? I'm like a hundred years old. I can only see 2022 because I didn't set a goal. Snitch, how did Mm. you find yours? I went to more, and then my profile. Yes, same. I only see 2022. 350 total. Since when? Like, the beginning of time. But that also includes shelved books, like books you want to read. True, true. But I don't really do that. Oh, look at you. (laughs) I don't like Goodreads. The app is so confusing to me. Me too. Like, it's a great concept, and they need to get better technology for it. 
I agree there are improvements that can be made, but I will not stand for Goodreads Slander because it's my favorite app. Wow. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Okay, let's get into this month's episode because we read I Could Live Here Forever by Hannah Halperin, A Dana's Choice. And since I am out of breath, I'm an out of breath queen, I will not be doing the recap of the book for this episode. The person who chose the book will be recapping the book, and I'm really excited about that. And I also feel like it could set a really good precedent for going forward. So, ladies, yeah, yeah. I think it's a nice idea. You chose the book. You fucking recap it. Wait. Oh, no, no, no. You guys, no. Jax, you have (laughs) to continue this because it's so funny. I was explaining this book to Evan when we were driving home from somewhere, and I was honestly trying to be succinct. He looks at me like halfway through this discussion. He goes, are you going line by line about what <laughs> happened in this book? He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm down. Like, if you want to tell me everything, like we can go for it. But like, you're, you have to be aware that like you are telling me literally verbatim, like conversations that are happening from the pages. He's like, that's not a, an overview. I was, that's and funny. It's my weakness. I've always been this person. I am not able to do a condensed overview. So I cannot take on this challenge. I respectfully decline. Thank you. Well, that's okay. kind of what's about to happen. So everyone buckle in. Well, D, okay, you're going to be great. D and Jax, I trust. Snitch, I, don't, I could maybe see it. These are some really big shoes to fill, but I will try. Okay. In I Could Live Here Forever, the main character, Leah Kempler, is at a writing program in Wisconsin getting her MFA in fiction. She meets a guy, Charlie Nelson, in the grocery store who she's instantly attracted to. They go on a date the next night, and things escalate very quickly. Leah gets a little weirded out when their second date is at Charlie's house, considering he's 31 years old and still living with his mom, Faye, and his stepdad, Paul. But as they continue seeing each other, Charlie discloses more and more about himself. And as Leah is simultaneously falling in love with him, she's grappling with this huge revelation that he is a recovered heroin addict. It gives her pause. She does go on another date with this nice, stable grad student named Paul that she met on Tinder. But ultimately, right before she goes back home for Thanksgiving break, she reconnects with Charlie. They have a whirlwind, two nights, crazy hangout. She falls back in love with him. She breaks up with, sorry, not Paul, Peter, when she gets back. And that's kind of like the beginning of a very tumultuous but electric relationship between Charlie and Leah. Um, It becomes clear at one point that Charlie is back on drugs, but Leah is very blind to the truth. Charlie spends days sleeping. He sends long, meandering, stalkerish texts. He's always feeling sick. Leah's friends and family kind of diplomatically express their disapproval, but Leah is very in love and very blind to anything else that might be going on. Um, Finally, though, after a stint where Charlie refuses to go back to his own home and leave Leah's apartment, she gets fed up, she kicks him out, she breaks up with him, only to find him a few days later in his car, um, complete in very bad shape. He admits he relapsed. She takes him to the hospital. He gets clean and thus starts a pattern that kind of encapsulates the rest of the book. They get back together. He relapses. She feigns ignorance on and on and on. Um, eventually Charlie proposes to Leah and it's honestly horrible to witness as a reader Leah knows it won't last we know it won't last she basically only says yes because she feels too bad to say no and she's so completely codependent and in love with Charlie we have to witness the desperate hope of Charlie's family Leah moves home to Boston for the summer she breaks up with him she endures a few more abusive stalkerish texts She attempts to move on with her life, but has other failed relationships. And then she eventually learns about Charlie's death on Facebook. 
So, the book is mostly about Charlie and Leah's relationship, but there are subplots like Leah's MFA program friendships, the trauma of her mother abandoning her family when she was young. Um, the book really explores the powerlessness that comes with addiction, the intoxication of being in love while subconsciously knowing it's doomed, and I was absolutely obsessed with this story and found it captivating and heartbreaking. Well done, Didi. Thank you so much for doing that. I am never recapping ever again. This was so pleasant to listen to someone else. Yeah, but it seems like you really prepared and it came through and it paid off. Thank you. So I'm really glad that we did that because now I have enough (laughs) strength to get through the rest of the episode. Good, good. Yeah, that was a a fun exercise. Good job, (laughs) Didi. Okay, let's get into our thoughts on the book. We'll start with Dana, but it's clear that you really liked it. What were your overall thoughts? Share. I love this book, you guys. It was one of, like, my favorite books I've ever read, Redheads or not. Like, I was obsessed with it. First and foremost, I loved the writing. I thought there was so much subtext in every line, like, even seemingly innocuous parts when she broke up with Peter and he responded being like, no problem, I probably wasn't emotionally available anyway. Just, like, those little zingers I thought the reader, the author really encapsulated just, like, humanity and what it meant, like, to Mm. be a person. Um, I also in general loved how humanizing the book was I was on that same roller coaster with Leah I logically knew she should run for the hills with Charlie but I was also extremely drawn to him and in a way was rooting for them and wanted it to work and knew how she was feeling and did not judge her for it because it's so rare to feel that way about someone even when you know like it's going to end in disaster so I just thought every part of this book was a masterpiece wow wow what an endorsement (laughs) yeah snitch what did you think I really liked this book, not nearly as much as Dana did. Um, and I have to say, like, I did, I wasn't rooting for them. Like, I was annoyed that she, like, wasn't paying attention and, like, leaving the situation. Like, it was really fucking annoying me. Like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, when they got back together and then, like, she was just, like, complacent in the fact that, like, after he relapsed and she dropped him off at the hospital and then they got back together and then like she just said like in passing like oh like he relapsed again and like she was like and they kissed and he was like he tasted like metallic like how he always does when he's taking drugs and I'm like okay and like you're okay with that like you're good with that like that was I that wasn't for me I do wish the book I guess I didn't realize that the book was going to be really just focused on their relationship like I thought there was going to be a point where it's like Charlie's out of the picture and then it's like okay like what does Leah's life look like now? Like, who does she end up with? Where does she end up? So it's kind of bummed that, like, once he died, the book was over, like, two chapters later. Um, But I did really enjoy the writing, and it was also a very easy book to read. It was a quick read. Like, I feel like it took me, like, a day. Um, And I I enjoyed it, and I was excited to pick it up, but I would not call it a masterpiece. Okay. I think that's a really great review coming from a snitch. Thanks. Totally. Bex? I also I have a complicated relationship with this book. I loved it. I loved the writing. I thought it was immaculate. And I loved like the nuanced detail that the author wove in because it really was so specific to, I think, like kind of our age group because 
it had a lot of like social media and dating apps and just like things that are so relevant to us. At one point, the author pointed out she went on a date with someone. He was wearing the same blue polo that he was wearing in one of like his Tinder profile pictures. I was like, that is so hilariously specific. But like it's something that like we would make a mental note of too and just like think Mm -hmm. to ourselves but not verbalize. But it's nice to connect in a book with someone who also thinks that that's interesting. So I loved that kind of detail. In a flicker in the dark, when she meets up with that reporter guy, he's wearing the same shirt that he's wearing in his picture. And, like, she took it as a sign of, like, oh, that's, you know, that's him. Yeah. But it turns out he, he was, like, faking who he was and, like, using that. Wait, but in this so book, it's funny. just, like. <laughs> it's just, like, oh, he's, like, a lazy like, dude. He only has, yeah, it's only has, he only has so many clothes. Yeah, like, that's, like, his date shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the the book was heartbreaking. It, it ripped, like, it truly ripped me apart. Like, I could not stop crying. It was what? so emotional. Oh, my, oh God. my God. It was really? so upsetting. Yes. Oh, my gosh. When she was driving in the back of the Uber to see Faye after oh Charlie God. had died. Yes. Like, and for that reason, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't love feeling that way. And I know that, like, it's a very real part of life. But I don't often gravitate towards movies books anything that will make me feel so upset like there's enough horrible things in this world I don't need to like gravitate towards them willingly so that was where I kind of had a hard time with it like I I think it, it was phenomenal the writing was so spectacular and it was so poignant and it was so like there was so much heart I just don't know if I could like if I would recommend it widely because I wouldn't want others to suffer through it the way I did. However, interesting. Charlie and Leah's love story was just like beyond. Wow, that is so interesting. I mean, I feel like any book that can make you like feel that deeply is a good book, whether or not you enjoy feeling that way. Of course. And that's, I want to fully acknowledge, like it was a phenomenally written book. I, I could not put it down. I ate it up. I was like totally entranced, but I was very affected by it. Wow. I, I love was. that. And I love the description of specific. Like, that is exactly how I would describe this book. So specific. Yes. Like, even when he went to lunch, when she went to lunch with his family, like, the first time meeting everyone, and the mom was sitting next to her and was like, I want to sit next to Leah. Like, everything just hit home. You're like, oh, this detail is so – there was no unnecessary detail. Yeah. yeah. I would say that there might have been, because we never really cl- closed the loop on the mom situation. Not enough detail, maybe, but no detail yeah. is unnecessary. No, right. definitely not. Yeah. Right. No detail is unnecessary, but that I feel like we just went nowhere with. Well, we'll get into all of the plots. I will share quickly that I really liked this book. What I liked about it, I love the writing. I love that it was good writing, but also easy writing. I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes those two are not one in the same. Like once you pick up the book, like you're in it, and it, it really – goes quickly and I enjoyed that I found the story to be frustrating because it was meant to be frustrating and I feel like on the one hand I had a lot of sympathy for Leah and Charlie and on the other hand as like a very you know a rational person just witnessing this story unravel it's like well why'd you do this and why'd you do that it's easy for us to be like you know you shouldn't have done that when we don't have the feelings that Leah feels but it it still was frustrating like to see her be naive at times and just so forgiving and and not be able to really like put her foot down and keep it down uh my only complaint is I would have liked for a little bit of a happier ending I know that that's a little pie in the sky but 
it it was like the whole book was kind of dark and then the end was the darkest part and I just would have liked to see like a little bit of more optimism towards the end like I felt that Leah's life when she moved back to Boston was so depressing worse than at the MFA and when I look at the book in total it's like she's worse off when she graduated this program than she was when she started like nothing in her career she's completely stalled nothing that she did at the program actually like pans out in her career aside from having like one story published but that was the first story she wrote at the program she could have written that without the program and instead it like sucked her into this world of Charlie and I feel like at the end of the book she's even further back than where she started and that just like made me sad to think about so I enjoyed it immensely I read it in like two days and I felt smart while reading it while also enjoying it amen completely agree okay let's get into the dbqs first up Leah is so deep in her relationship with Charlie that she is in denial when he begins to relapse what was your experience reading this part of the novel? Was it clear to you that Charlie was in trouble? Or were you, as a reader, so entrenched in Leah's perspective that you believed him too? I also believed him. I believed him too. I don't, I don't know. I was. It was kind of clear to me, but like I understood Leah's denial. He was so convincing. She was so in love. She never saw him do it. He was still semi-functioning, but the whole time I was like, he's definitely using again. I thought he had a secret for sure, and maybe it was like, he was smoking pot and abusing marijuana when he should have been completely sober. And so that whole thing about the pee was what he was hiding. His psychiatrist never said he could. Like, I thought he was definitely hiding something, but I completely did not think it was a heroin relapse. And I think all addiction looks different, especially heroin addiction. But sometimes my association of a heroin addict isn't someone who, like, could hide it like Function. That. Hide it from a person who's with him every day. Yeah. Also, I feel like when you're – there were times that she highlighted his eyes were crazy and he, like, had this, like, crazed way about him, which I think was when he was high on heroin. But during that time where we were unclear what was going on, she just described how tired he was and how he was, like, such a zombie and, like, would sleep for, like, the entire day. And I was like, oh, like, that doesn't seem like what happens when you're on heroin, so that's why I kind of believed him. But I was very naive. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought maybe he was, you know, abusing something. Something was not what he said it was, but not necessarily. Because when he said, no, heroin almost took my life, I would never use it again. I'm like, there you go. He would never use it again. But I think that's important that we, too, were so swept up in it. Because, like, in hindsight, after reading the whole book, we're like, yes, now we know he's using. The signs are clear. But when you're in a new relationship like that and unfamiliar with drug addiction, like, you can understand why someone gets caught up in that right and so I feel like the author did a really good job like taking the reader through like Leah's frame of mind and how she could be completely fooled by what was happening because I was completely fooled too totally okay next question did you think Leah was a reliable narrator did you ever question the objectivity of her perspective when and why I don't think she was a reliable narrator because I feel like the Charlie that, like, her friends saw, like, Vivian and all of that, like, was a completely different person than we were being told. Like, and I get that he was, like, shy and, like, maybe quiet, but, like, her workshop friend seemed, like, pretty normal and, like, could have a conversation. And, like, I think the fact that they all left, like, an hour later because, like, everybody felt uncomfortable, like, like, I don't think she was a reliable narrator at all. But she said, like, he's different with them than he is with me. And when we're alone together, like, I know the real Charlie and he's amazing. And that wasn't who showed up to the bar. But I think, like, that's all She's true. telling herself that. 
No, she, no, that's true. He's good with you and, and bad with others, but the fact that he's, like, bad with others should give you pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I love their writing so much, because, like, the story is set up in a way that Leah should and is an unreliable narrator, but because we have such, like, discerning conversations with others around her, her family and friends, we're able to very easily put the pieces together of what's going on without needing, like, her to spell it out for us. That's true. Yeah. But it took me a while to kind of question her because at the Thanksgiving dinner when she shares like she's dating Charlie and he's a recovering drug addict like her family has really harsh responses and I think at first we're meant to be like you know oh that's really unkind and you're placing a stigma on drug addiction and but then eventually it's like maybe her brothers had a point their reasons they weren't just being like assholes Correct. For sure. And like, there's of course exceptions, but I think kind of the overall message is it's really, 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 really hard to get into full recovery from heroin. So if you are a family member hearing about your sister dating a heroin addict, I kind of get the uh oh reaction immediately without much cushioning. Right. We've all seen Dope Sick. We see how bad it is, how hard it is to recover. We know. But also, like, Lee at the time thought he was three years recovered, which would be a major milestone if true. And her brothers, like, were doubting that, and they were, they wound up being correct. Yeah. Right. But maybe it was, like, I think unfair of them to not just... give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I liked the doctor girlfriend who was like, it's no joke to be in remission for that long. Like, what's yeah. on? She was coming at it from a medical perspective that was very refreshing. Yes. Yeah. I also just think that, like, he told her he was a heroin addict, and then, like, she just, like, didn't question anything, you know? Like, she was just, like, so gullible. Whereas, like, her family was, like, just, like, asking the right questions and, like, you know. I feel like she got freaked out. Like, that's why she immediately went on Tinder. She went on the date with Peter. She, like, tried to kind of forget about him. But then when he barged into her apartment with his guitar and, like, they went grocery food shopping and he was all charming, she fell back into it. But I do think there was, like, an immediate reaction of, oh, shit, and, like, how can I get over this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I also think, and she started to, her unreliableness as an narrator started to bother me when like she declined um the counseling a few times when she had gone to the health center like those Mm -hmm. doctors were clearly like look understood her situation were very kind to her and were looking out for her and like she just like felt that she was smarter than them because of course they could diagnose her immediately her mom left she has abandonment issues and now she doesn't want to abandon this person which yeah it's cliche because it's true but still right like you should be working through it yeah it's so right because i don't i don't I thought of her as a reliable narrator, honestly. I just thought it was a story from a perspective of someone who was broken and how easily, like, when you, like, certain people are just wired differently and can't discern between logical and illogical, and I think that was just who Leah was. Like, we were seeing, like, the very true, honest version of Leah. It wouldn't be how necessarily we would conduct our lives or decision-making, but, like, I thought that, like, I never, like, wavered in my, like, interpretation of what she was telling me. Agreed. I feel like she's very self-aware and, like, knows who she is and why she does what she does. And it's all she writes about, too, like, mothers and daughters. And she knows that this is what, like, makes her who she is. My issue with her is that, like, okay, so you know that. What are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to try and make it better? Are you going to try and, like, move on from these issues? Because it's not going to end well if you can't. 
Yeah, but that's a good point, mm-hmm. right? Like, unreliable narrator, I kind of associate with, like, this narrator has a drug problem or has a mental disability or, like, what they're telling us is false and not true and we need other sources to corroborate. But, like, you're correct. She wasn't lying or making things up. It was exactly how she experienced it. It was just, to Jackie's point, her judgment was dicey. Yeah. Yeah, it was what she was experiencing, like, and I think she was sharing the truth, but, like, if it was a different narrator, there would have been, like, more alarm bells going off. Like, when he's driving and falling asleep. That's just, like, you know, a day in the life of dating Charlie. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, you want to get right. out of the car? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Someone so less true. broken might have ran away faster. Yeah. Next question. The novel orbits around Leah and Charlie's consuming destructive relationship. How do you define a toxic relationship? Why do you think someone might stay in a toxic relationship? There were so many examples of toxic behavior here, but one that really stood out to me was when Charlie was being super controlling about how Leah had slept with Peter, making her feel guilty, and then he immediately followed it up with asking if he could use her urine for the Mm -hmm. drug test. Mm -hmm. And that's just like textbook psychological warfare of like making someone feel guilty and then asking them for a favor. Even at the end, like when he was sending her those crazy texts, and then he's like, I want to show you something, but I I don't know if you want to hear from me. And then she responded like, I would love to hear it. And then he never answered answered like oh it just really pinpointed like the abusive and toxic behavior of those no what really got me was when they were staying at the house when the family was gone and he was sleeping the whole entire fucking time and she kept wanting to leave and he was like no but I have a surprise for you I have a surprise for you and it took him three days for him to show whatever the surprise was and I was like that is just like so crazy like let her go also like the second someone's like I want to leave like you like you let them leave and what was the surprise even at that time? That bath. Yeah. The oh, the bath. Nice bath. Oh, my that. gosh. That was the dark, <laughs> dark moment. That was, that was the dark moment. But that's so classic and toxic. And he fell asleep in the back. Like and he fell asleep pretend. in the back. Yeah. You withhold something that you convince the other is, like, going to be worth the waiting, and then you don't actually have something for them. <laughs> the bath. I forgot about the bath. The so bath. Bad. And he fell asleep in the bath. Yeah, that was, like, a turning point. Yeah. Yeah, agreed with you, Dana, though, about, like, the pee thing. I'm just so glad that she did not give it to him. Like, I felt like a lot of times, like, she did, you know, she knew logically, like, what was wrong and what was right. But I felt like also at a certain point when he relapsed after the whole thing with, what's that girl's name from the MFA? Vivian. Yeah, after, when he relapsed after that, like, she kind of just... She had to accept him as he is, and, like, she stopped trying to rationalize everything or make it better. Right. And in terms of, like, why someone would stay, like, for Leah, I feel like she just made up her mind that, like, this was the dynamic. And also, I think she was so concerned about what would happen if she left. Like, now that she had, like, fallen in love with him, she was like, if I leave, like, the outcome could be so horrible that it's like, I'm I'm in this. And, like, I feel like it's, like, so psychologically f- messed up but it's so much cognitive dissonance it's like if I acknowledge he's a drug addict that's never going to recover then I need to leave but if I don't acknowledge he's a drug addict and stay within this like haze then I can stay yeah and like the pain of leaving him would have been I think impossible for her to bear aside from when she finally moved away but like she didn't have like the willpower to know he's knocking on her door she loves him so much like it's easier to be with him and deal with the pain of whatever he's doing than like to be alone 
Oh, and when he like claimed he didn't know where her key was, that was also textbook toxic. Like, oh my oh, god! Oh <gasps> yeah! Oh my god! I believe that he off. didn't know where the key was, but I was fucking pissed that her key was floating around. Me oh, too. I thought he had it and just wasn't. No, I think up. that he. Was I thought just, he had like, it too. So like far removed from reality, like he left it somewhere and forgot to pick it back up. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, next question. Charlie explains to Leah what heroin feels like. He says, quote, imagine you're in pain, the most excruciating pain of your life. Your skin is on fire and your thoughts are agonizing you and any inch of lighter movement makes you nauseous. And you're scared because you don't know when or if it's ever going to end. But you know that there's a button somewhere and all you have to do is press that button and that the pain will vanish. It will just disappear. And you feel warm and safe and completely protected. That button is heroin. In the book, addiction is examined in several ways. Beyond drug addiction, what other kinds of compulsions do the characters have? What role do these other forms of compulsion play, and how do they affect the way power and control are exerted in the novel? I didn't really find this to be a book about, like, different... Compulsion. Yeah, different brands of compulsion. Like, I was kind of racking my brain thinking of this answer, and I came up with, like, Leah's brother is kind of compulsively dates a lot of girls, like... Leah and everyone in her program is obsessed with writing in that bubble. But, like, I didn't think the point of – Yeah, I was just – Between, like, passion and compulsion. Agreed. Well, I feel like Leah was addicted to the feeling that she had with Charlie. Like, she was addicted to Charlie. She could not quit him. You know, he was terrible for her. I feel like that was one parallel. But also now that when I think about compulsions, like, even the way that she wrote, she would, like, find a spot – I mean, it, even though that doesn't, it only when we're analyzing her behavior, like such a level like this, because I can understand doing this, you're writing a story, you go to the yeah. same spot every day, you work the same hours and like, and then when I'm, it's your next story, you find a new spot. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I think people have their little compulsions and I, I think that's very human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the description of how Charlie described drugs was interesting because yeah. If you don't do drugs it's hard to kind of imagine why someone can't just stop if it's ruining their life but that right. depiction no kind it of, like, feels like spot it. on even like what i, don't I know, thought was interesting like, was that she said because i highlighted this she's like i one time asked charlie what heroin feels like and i was like one time <laughs> i was like how is like how has this not come up like so often about like why are you doing this? Like, what does it make you feel like? I thought it was like so, I was flabbergasted. I was like, once? Yeah. No, she was really willingly ignorant towards everything. Incredibly. Did reading about Charlie's addiction and its impact on the people around him, especially on Leah and his family, make you think about the opioid epidemic differently? How How did the depiction of heroin addiction in the novel compare to your understanding of the problem from the news or from your personal life? I feel like it aligned pretty neatly yeah. with my already preconceived idea of, you know, drug addicts are not bad people. Opioids are extremely addicting with a small likely of overcoming it without serious external help. Yeah, I feel like in the last few months I've consumed content about the opioid epidemic and also heroin addiction. Like Margaret was saying, we watched Dope Sick, Demon Copperhead. And also I read a memoir from a celebrity hairstylist from the 80s. I think her name was Carrie White. It's called Uppercut. And at one point in her life, she was addicted to heroin. And I feel like reading her firsthand account of how um, she became addicted, it's almost like if you do it once, like you become, it's just completely addictive. It's not even necessarily about the person. It's the drug itself has given me like a much better, 
better understanding of what it means to be addicted to heroin but I still feel like there it varies in terms of how it affects your day-to-day life like I feel like in this book Charlie you know for a few months the reader and Leah didn't even know that he was addicted and even his mom who knows him so well was like is he relapsing is he not whereas I sometimes feel like if you're addicted to heroin or something so hard it would just completely be obvious and justice for Faye, that poor mom broke my heart. Oh, the yeah. Book. Yeah. She was yeah. so nice. She was so warm and welcoming. And she always knew deep down it wasn't going to end well. Yeah. What were your feelings about Charlie? Did they change over the course of the novel? Yes, mm. they did. I especially, my feelings changed especially when after Leah moved back to Boston, he so immediately got a new girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Because I believed him that he loved Leah and it was different and they had something that was so unique and so special. And, like, I fell for it that, like, this was just, like, a -a once-in-a-lifetime kind of love. So I felt like when he jumped into another relationship, I was like, was that not what was happening all along? Like, did I ever really need to feel so invested in this love and that's interesting because like I not for one second doubted that he was so in love with Leah I saw the new girlfriend as just like a complete knee-jerk reaction of I need to find an immediate fix to make myself feel better because I feel horrible but like I didn't but I don't know we had that girlfriend before her when she was stalking the Facebook and getting insecure Mm -hmm. like it could have just been another addiction another vice and it could have been anyone no I just saw him as like a serial dater and like Leah's gone so like who's next like let me like go through like the Rolodex um and that like made me actually question the mom I was like how many girlfriends has she seen and how does she treat each of them is it all the way Mm -hmm. she treated Leah or like was Leah different for the mom at least that's so true I feel like for the mom like every girlfriend was like a lifeline and yeah this person could love her son she's gonna love them maybe they're gonna be the one to save her son I do feel like because we heard Leah's story and we read Leah's book that Leah's relationship with him was different but I like never really loved him even before we knew what he was doing you know that he had relapsed like I just the, from all these little like anecdotes about him that he wouldn't take her on a date that he lives with his parents that then he's like sleeping all day and he's obviously clearly lying but he's also putting Leah in a really bad position like he knows he's using needles and he's having sex with her without a condom like I I didn't love him as a person I wasn't rooting for them especially when she would contrast that relationship with Robbie Peter uh, oh Peter. Robbie. Robbie but the Robbie. thing is like Leah was to Robbie as Charlie was to Leah. Like, yes. Yes. Agging her along, using her, like, there when she needs him, not when she doesn't. Uh, So I didn't love, but contrasting Charlie's relationship with Peter Paul, the the business (laughs) student, who obviously, like, the chemistry wasn't as on fire, but she liked him and they had nice conversations and he treated her right. And it just... It highlighted, even before Charlie went completely downhill, that, like, Charlie is is not going to be the partner she needs. And her and Peter actually did have a good physical relationship. Yeah. Like, that was described positively. Yeah. Right. I did love Charlie, though. I don't know. Like, I I so did it. I loved him. Especially it's when so he, like on point. It's so, so on brand. It's so it's yes. like yeah. it reminds me of younger how like Snitch and I love Charles. Yes. And you yeah. love 
Josh. 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 No, it's like so on point. Like this is the most. You like the artistic, sensitive, troubled, troubled one. I did and we love like him the, the businessman. You like yeah. him and Bo, like you have like there's logic behind this decision. Yes. yes. You're <laughs> definitely in better it. shape than us. Yeah. <laughs> For well, did you like him? Uh, moments I was in love with him not because I thought oh he was a good God. person I'm or like shocked. good for her I just had so much sympathy for him like and when the best part I thought was when he accompanied her to see her mom for the first time after all these years I thought he was a really good partner then like he had her back he was protective he stayed with her the whole time like there were such moments where I saw what she saw in him and they were like slim and far between I get that there were so many worse moments when he was on terrible behavior but when he was most himself and being sweet like I got the charm got it also his physical description is just not my type. No. Skinny, no. soft Wait, voice. No. Oily, fine hair. Long hair. That, yeah. But she kept saying, she's like, oh, he, he looks like he hasn't showered in a few days. I'm like, okay. And like, we're just going to, we're just going to gloss over that. Yeah. Like, like the person I casted for him is everyone's crush and not mine. I yeah. kind of love though how oh, she kept describing his smell. Like she kept yeah. coming back to how he had this such specific smell that she would never find again. And I'm like a very yeah gross smell like that. No, it wasn't. He had like this like great smell, and I thought it just like highlighted the, their chemical relationship that was so intense. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it was—the pheromones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next question: Charlie believes that he was destined to become addicted to heroin. Do you think there are aspects of Charlie and Leah's relationship that mimic addiction? Do you believe that some relationships are fated or connected in a way that is predetermined? Definitely their relationship mimicked addiction. Yes. Uh-huh. On, yeah. off. Toxic, toxic, can't turn away. Yeah. Best feeling yeah. ever. Yeah. And this is like the idea of a soulmate. Does one exist or could you be happy with anybody? I don't know if I believe anyone's destined to become addicted to heroin, but I do believe there's something in people's brains that make them more uh, susceptible to drugs than others and more addictive once it happens. I agree with what we said, how like heroin seems to be a drug that no one's safe from, but there Mm -hmm. are definitely brain chemistries that are different from others that are more receptive to drugs. Definitely. I think we see that with alcohol is a really good example because everybody drinks alcohol pretty much. Uh, Some people are addicted to it. Yes. Next up, discuss Leah's relationship to writing. How do you think it's influenced by Charlie, by her mother, by her lonely childhood? Do you think Leah's propensity for fiction and storytelling affects the way she understands and experiences her relationship with Charlie? Oh, that's a good question. I think this was also why I love this book so much because I was an English major and love reading and writing. So like that MFA little subplot I was so invested in. I liked hearing about the friends. I liked hearing about the stories. Like that spoke to me. Me too. I also like appreciated that her outlet for all of her trauma was writing. There's nothing less, there's nothing more benign than that. Like Charlie turned to drugs for his issues. She turned to creative writing. Like good for her for picking a vice that was so (laughs) productive, digestible and productive. Yeah, also as a book club member, I enjoyed listening to the way that they would break down each other's stories, like in their criticisms or their reviews, positive reviews about it. Like it just made me think about like how I think of stories and like what I pull out from it. And it made me like want to analyze better. Yeah, for sure. I never thought about this. At My gut reaction says I, I don't see it. Like I felt like her – writing naturally had the themes that we would expect about mother daughter relationships 
but that was like so overt um so I didn't like see other ways but I also like didn't get a ton of exposure to her writing because outside of like 13 I kind of loved at the end when Wilson Willis uh published the book and they were all like oh my god we've known these characters for life like and now the public gets to access it there was something very cultish about that that I was attracted to yeah I also liked the fact that her writing always like flowed from her I feel like whenever we read about writers they're having like writer's block and I was ready for her I was ready for her to go to the program and like not have something to say and what about me and hers stunk but like hers was the best at times sometimes it wasn't that remarkable but I like that she was like actively writing I feel like a lot of the times we read about writers they are creatively blocked I totally agree I was like refreshing to be <laughs> yes. like you're productive at your craft yeah tough. you're a good writer and if something goes bad in your personal life it's not going to derail your professional life it's actually might be good for it yeah yes okay yeah. next question Leah's mother abandoned her family when Leah and her brothers were teenagers 13 years later Leah travels to St. Paul to pay her a visit what do you think of this encounter? Do you think Leah understood something new about her mother or herself after this visit? I feel like she understood. She was like, maybe maybe like it helped her realize, like, I don't need her. And I feel like she's just thought, like, waiting for her to come back, like, I need my mom, like, whatever. And then seeing how, like, not well she was, she was like, okay, like, I don't need her. I can move on from this. But I just thought it was just, like, the whole way the encounter went down was so interesting and then like never to be spoken of again and like never heard from again and like the mom wanting to be friends like I just had so many questions and I, I felt like none of them were answered um but then also did you guys think that she, that Charlie was right and that she was an alcoholic probably forgot about that I don't know because either know like either. he was picking up on something or he was completely projecting and mm-hmm. I would have liked if there was like one more factual clue like they did smell alcohol or if he saw bottles like because the fact that the dad couldn't corroborate that I was like mm. and Charlie had a history of projection like when she got the uh, email from the New Yorker to write the story his reaction was like just be careful like in therapy I learned that it should always come from internal validation Ex- and yeah. once you rely on external validation that's when you start getting unhappy and she was like I do not have time for your psycho babble right now like no, I need to go to the it stayed in her head it stayed uh, in yeah. her head and I'm like Toxic. girl why don't you worry about getting the external validation before you worry about how it's gonna <laughs> affect you don't be so <laughs> yes. scared of it like it's a bad thing to for it to your story to get published Yes, but I just showed how, like, a toxic he was. Like, that did worm its way deep into her brain and kind of, like, affected all of her perspectives after that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought the interaction with her mom was very, was, like, a strong parallel to her life with her mom as she knew it in the way that she was, like, disappointed by it. She was basically, like, ab- abandoned again by her, like, turned back. Her mom wasn't coming after her, didn't hear from her mom again. I felt like how her mom, like, so quickly, like, flipped a switch, like, while they were interacting was, like, very emblematic of, like, how she used to be and how Leah remembered her. So I felt like it was, like, the current parallel to, like, her past dynamic that she, like, remembers vaguely but still stay with her. Yeah. And, like, that thread of someone being abandoned by their mother and then reconnecting with them decades later and, like, coming to their house, I feel like could have been a story on its own. And Mm -hmm. the story was already so jam-packed with, like, addiction and relationships, et cetera, that for me it was, like, this is almost too big of a thing to just squeeze into this one chapter. And the point, at least for me, was, like, to see how Charlie behaved there as opposed to how are her and her mother going to heal together. 
Yeah, I also think Leah going into it was incredibly naive. Like, that's never going to end well. Especially since, once, like, the fact that she abandoned you and now it's 13 years later, like, really, how do you have a relationship? But especially if you're the one who has to seek her out. Like, yeah. you were never going to come away from that being like, I have clarity and I'm so excited and I have my mom back. Like, yeah. I feel like she was naive she to wanted think that... she wanted to, she would. It, she was naive to think that, like, things would be anything better than what they were when she left. Like, her mom didn't come find her and apologize and try to explain. Like, you went looking for something. Yeah. And she it wasn't for what trouble. you hoped if people for. show you who they are, believe them. It's like if you, like, write a long, like, email or text to someone, like, sharing your thoughts about, like, something. And, like, you're like, oh, yeah. And then, like, they respond back. And, like, you, like, all – like, you, if you initiate it, you're never going to be – you're satisfied. never going to feel satisfied. Like, it's also, always disappointing. It's like, even if they give you what you want back, even if her mom had been a gem and welcomed her in, it's like, well, why don't you come to me then? Right. Yeah. That would always yeah. be hanging over her head. A thousand percent. There's no such thing as closure. Yeah. Last DBQ, do you think Leah's relationship to men and to romantic partnership changes by the end of the novel? Yes. Oh yes, my God, but in yes. A, for the worse. For the yeah. worse. Like, she's totally ruined. She, but, like, that's what happens. Like, certain relationships, like, will ruin a person till the end of time. Like, you yeah. just get so affected by, like, mentally, physically, emotionally what this person can do to you. And Snitch, like, you mentioned how you wish there was life after Charlie, but I kind of mm-hmm. thought there was a lot of life after Charlie. Like, when she was back to Boston, she dated for a while, and we saw a lot of her, like, next relationship where she moved in with that guy. Like, yes, after he died, we didn't get much more in the book, but I didn't need more. Like, I thought it did a good job of showing us what her life was, and it was bleak. I also think that that was purposeful. Like, life after Charlie was bleak, non-existent tainted toxic like she was never able to rebound recover like he changed her for the worse and like there's not going to be a happy ending because like that was the outcome of spending time with him i kind of i don't like that i know i don't like it at all i don't accept that i know (laughs) I loved when she like Facebook messaged Peter when he was abroad and was so such a lunatic. Unhinged. She kind of got it. She was like regretting so much and she was like if my life had gone this direction and she was spiraling like I I don't condone that behavior but it, it was relatable. No I was like are you okay? But at least she was self aware. She was like I'm fully unhinged right now. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, haha, I really hope you're doing well. I gotta go. Like, he was not taking the bait. She's like, I could be there tomorrow. I could be there tonight. <laughs> it's crazy. 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 Okay. Well, we got some great questions from our readers that I want to share with you. First up from the Redheads, we spent the whole book following Leah's love life, it seemed. So, why do you think the book ended without her being in a relationship? Do you think it, w- it was so that we could focus on the topic of addiction instead? The book didn't feel wrapped up, wrapped up to me. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that's sort of what we just said, um, but I think that. But why? Felt- but do you think? Why do you think the author didn't give her a- an ending? I think, really, I just think so because that, like, it said maybe there's I, no life after Charlie. Yeah, you, like I think that like Charlie messed her up for good, and that like she's not going to be able to find someone that she connects to like she did with Charlie, and like I think it's symbolic of like we should take that and like take it to mean something important. No, I reject this. I know. I think the author just left it as it was because this is the story of Leah and Charlie. But there is a sequel where Leah gets her life on track. 
and she finds a nice guy who she has passion with but is also a good partner to her. It might be in a few years, but there's better out there for Leah. This is, what is she going to do with the rest of her life? I agree I with it was, you. It was meant for us to weigh, like, how worth it is it when you fall in love with someone and they have all these issues if the alternative is you don't fall in love with somebody but could be with someone stable who you don't like at all. That so sounds to have, better. to have one passionate good year and spend the rest of your life. No, I don't agree with that premise either. But I think it like hit home of she's always going to have this twinge of regret because like is life better without him? Like is th- that the right decision that she didn't marry him? Would she literally so said words? no. She was like I would rather be in a, like a dark addiction-filled relationship with Charlie than with these stable freaks who bring me no joy. Yeah, who bring me no joy. Yeah, But I agree, Jax. I think there's like a medium out there where someone can be stable and she could be attracted to them and happy without them having all these issues. Peter, yeah. she was attracted yeah, to him. Well, that's why she was unhinged. Yeah, but it could happen with him. It could happen with somebody else. <laughs> Next question. Great choice, Dana. I loved this book. So well-written, poignant, and it felt very real. Though at times I wanted to scream at Leah, what the heck are you doing? I felt that perhaps the baggage Leah carried by being abandoned by her own mother informed her decision to stay with Charlie as long as she did. She couldn't fathom being a person who abandons another. What do you guys think about that? I agree. That's true, but work through it. Figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, she really couldn't stand to... abandon him like when he was down on one knee with the ring and I kind of got got that like it was easier to say yes than to say no at that point but I felt like when she kept taking him back after all the times that he lied and betrayed her and was just like not the partner that she needed to be I didn't feel like she was doing that to not abandon him I felt like she was doing that to stave off her own loneliness yeah I think it was like twofold she did care a lot about him and like didn't want to see him hurt but she was also so lonely herself it was codependent the relationship was very codependent they both needed to be needed by the other yeah next I felt judgmental towards Leah at first for staying with Charlie but by the end I couldn't I could understand not wanting to give up on someone that you love that deeply what do you think was the right thing to do should she have walked away the minute she heard about his addiction after she found out he was using again or should she have stayed supporting him as long as she could I think she should have left him after the first His time first relapse. I agree. that he relapsed. Agreed. Like, and she learned at that point that he hadn't been sober for three years, that this is obviously a recurring issue that she should not have to take on, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, Agree. You'll fall in love again. You, you got through it and learned your mistakes. You were naive. But, like, then when she went back, I'm like, I no longer can feel this sympathy towards you anymore. Like, you are actively hurting yourself and those around you. Yeah. I I agree. Also, like, he was lying to her. He lied to her about, like, his past, his present. And I do feel like you could make the argument, you know, you shouldn't abandon someone. He, He needs her. But I felt like the more he had her, the more he was using her. And, like, use she was inadvertently enabling him she didn't even realize by giving him an apartment by always like showing up for him and mm-hmm. it wasn't helping him no totally yeah. like when he went to rehab and called her after they had broken up and then she like a quick line like we started seeing each other again I was like yeah. no like I remembered my feet the way I felt when I read that line I was like I'm so disturbed and yes. disappointed 
It broke my heart, though, when he was crying in the room after he proposed and was like, do I not get a normal life? Like, does this not get to happen for me? Like, then I should just be a drug addict. Like, is this never going to be possible? That I, I thought was yeah. really powerful. Me too. Very powerful. Because you're kind of like, yeah, but no, like, but you don't like, want to admit it. It doesn't have to be that way, but it's such, it's so hard. It's such an uphill battle for him to get out of the situation. Yeah. But I feel like now he feels like, well, why would I even work that hard if it's so impossible Mm -hmm. yeah okay next question who do you think the title refers to is that leah saying she'll never get over charlie and live with his memory memory forever is it charlie saying it about leah like he did at the beginning of the story reminder that the title is i could live here forever so why do you think it's called that so it is a direct quote from him when they first are getting together and yes. he's, she spends the night and he's like, I could live here forever. And that was the first time her, she described it as like her heartstrings were being pulled and like being in love with him. But I don't know. I, I think it's like a, the conditional I could is important because it's like I want to, but I can't. I feel like it's like addiction, like the way that Charlie described addiction, like mm-hmm. that feeling that he was chasing. I could live there forever. And, oh, and you, maybe you keep going back to it because you're hoping that that's how you'll feel forever. But it's not. Yeah, I was thinking about it as, like, the their relationship. Like, they would have stayed there forever. If yeah, that's what allowed, I thought. But so many factors precluded that possibility from being a reality. So... That was how I interpreted it. It's like, if I could, I would, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. like, when their Agreed. relationship was good in those moments, like, when he was sober and she was happy and they were, like, in love, the thing that, like, bonded them in the first place, like, I could do this forever. Yeah. But that's not what's happening forever. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, I great. Like that too. Good note to end on. Good note to end on. What is the moral of the story, Dana? I had it was I said have compassion but also be smart about your big life choices (laughs) that's really good I don't know why the moral always I always think it has to be like something that you would see on like a yeah me too in a classroom on a poster card on a bumper sticker (laughs) yeah yeah that has like rhyme (laughs) no at first it was like don't judge everyone's fighting a hard battle (laughs) that's true that's true mine was um love isn't always enough Mm. so good I like that that's a great one Snatchler. Oh, sometimes the right thing. What's the remain? What's the remainder of that? Sometimes the right thing isn't always the easy thing. Yep, that's yeah. good. Um, I like where Bex is headed. I think like love is blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, good morals, yeah. guys. Good morals. Good morals. Okay, now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. We're gonna cast Leah and Charlie, the two main characters. Now I I feel like I have to say this. But also because I feel this way. I feel like this could be made into a show or a movie and it would be very good. And also this book was also Emma Roberts' book club's choice. Mm. And she made Tell Me Lies. So I feel like she could make this a movie. Just saying. Kind of a similar theme. Right? Yeah. And I I could see these two characters and like their love being like, you know, so iconic. Especially if the actors themselves were to fall in love on set. Just saying. Yeah. Emma Roberts is a psychological girly. Yeah. She is. Okay, who do you have for Leah? Snitch, let's start with you. I had Haley Steinfeld. Hmm. Okay, I like that. Because she's half Jewish, and I was trying to find, like, a Jewish 25-year-old. Oh, that's good. I didn't even think of that. Bex? Mm -hmm. 
I had Maya Hawk because I was like thinking of like a tall, like unconventional looking woman. And I was like, oh, Uma Thurman. And then I was like, oh, my God, her daughter. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like it also matters who your Charlie is. Like they have yeah. to work yeah, together. Yeah. I had Lily Reinhardt. Good one. Okay. Interesting. She would. Because Charlie gives such Cole Sprouse vibes. Too. Oh, my oh my God. God. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm recasting mine, but I'll tell you who I had. But then, yeah. Yeah, yes. Dana. I had Hillary Duff. <laughs> Was she blonde, you guys? I don't know. I thought she had dark hair. She never really described her blondies. Well, I just thought, like, hair can change. True. I totally. was going for a feeling. I was feeling. just curious if I missed something. I was going for a feeling. A feeling. Uh, D- Snitch, who did you have for Charlie? There's only one answer. Oh, I, I don't know if you guys really even know who this is. His name is Hero Tiffin. He's in, like, the After Series movies. I just but, like, Googled him. That's all. That's good. Yeah. That is good. You guys, yeah. it's Timothy Chalamet. That's who I had. No yeah. Yeah. Because a beautiful no, I boy. Disagree. But he's way too, like, refined in my head. Have you guys seen Beautiful Boy? No. no. It's this book, and Timothy Chalamet is the main guy, the mm. drug addict. Right. So that's wow. why when I say, like, everybody loves him, everybody loves Timothy Chalamet, like, thinks he's the most handsome. Like, he does nothing for me, and that's how and I feel about Charlie. She talks about, like, how he's so skinny he could break, and yes. that's Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. I had Ansel Elgort. Oh, wow, you're going to uncancel him for this movie? (laughs) No, I'm not going to uncancel him. Um, But I'm just, it was just like the vibe that I was getting. Like the the hair, the lanky, the placid skin. Yeah, no, that's good. These are all really good. I really could see this happening. Who did Dana? Who'd you have? Timothy Chalamet. Oh, because there's yeah. only one right answer. Because <laughs> there's Truly. only one right answer. Okay, great. Well, that's a wrap on the recap of this book. Now we can appropriately rate it. Let's start with Dana. What did you rate this book out of five? Four point eight. Oh. I really love this book, you guys. Damn. It's like Damn. up there with the push and all of those. Point one lower than A Little Life. Uh, yeah. It was that good. Like, I loved, loved, loved it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Snitch. We're going to give it a 3.8. Okay. Becky? I gave it a 4. And I gave it a 4 as well. Wow. Sisters. Okay. That makes our overall Redheads rating for this book a 4.15. I am putting it into... My system. It is tied with nothing to see here at number eight. Okay. Another Danish choice. Feels that feels right. right. Feels a little low, but having it be amongst the greats is makes me feel good. Yeah. It's top it, ten. It feels a little low. Like I feel like this book will age well in our minds, whereas I feel like some of these books in the top ten did not age as well for me as I thought. I just have a question. Like, do you, will you recommend this book to others? Depends Definitely. on the person. Yes. I wouldn't and recommend I just, it to Claudia. No. no. I just, like, I'm similar to Big Swiss. Like, I had a hard time recommending this with Gusto. And I feel like so many of our top choices in our, like, top Redheads reads are, like, no-brainer, I'll recommend this. So, I like, it kind of factors in for me. I would actually recommend this to people because all four of us liked it. And that rarely happens. There's usually one or two who 
did not like the book. I can't remember yes. the last time all four of us were like net positive. Yeah. And it's so easy. It's like a quick read. It's like when you recommend something yeah. to someone and it also takes them forever. Yeah. Then it's true. But like at least they'll get through it quickly whether they like it or not. True. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's a wrap on our recap. Now it's time for the other books that we read this month. Who wants to go first? Snitch has nothing. Got nothing for you, ladies. Sex. You guys, I read Beyond the Breaking Glass by Rabbi Nancy Weiner. Um, my rabbi assigned me reading, and I was like, damn straight, I'm going to mention this book. Yeah, you every, should. Every book counts. Every book counts. It was all about kind of historical traditions that are woven into the Jewish wedding ceremony. It was beautiful. Oh, um, would you recommend? Would I recommend? <laughs> If you're curious about it. Yeah, if you um, need a book club selection amongst the girlies, this one's solid. Um, And then I also read Hello Beautiful. I think it's Anne Napolitano. So good. Coming of age, my friends. Love that. Would I like it? No. I think. What did you say, Dana? I don't think Snitch would I don't think you would either. You guys, Claudia's book club just chose it. We were talking about it on the toast, and I was going to ask Dana, like, if she thinks Claudia's going to like it, but... I'm now I'm going to ask both of you, like, what do you think is going to happen with her book club? I think I, some will like it. Claudia will not like yeah. it. Would I like it's, it? Yeah, you would like it. It's Little Women vibes. <laughs> so what, where is it What's set? not to like? <laughs> no, I think it's, like, such a fun age. No, not such a fun age. Oh, yeah, but it's kind of uh, Ask of again, yes. Ask again, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, ask yeah, yeah. Yes, yes vibes. Okay, which Meets I did like, women. but it's a struggle. But Dana, it's not like meets little women. Really, like I don't know, like it's not like only about them. Like it, like interweaves yeah, other. Right. I was gonna say, like you guys might like it because it's sisterhood, but I don't know if you would like appreciate how their sisterhood unfolds. Right, right. We're very critical mm. of sisterhood. Yes, we're that's very not critical. That's not steamy sisterhood. No. I do think you would like it, Jax. Okay, I will read it. Cool, Good. cool. Um, I read three books in the interim we also recorded late this month and early this month um but I finally finished this non-fiction book that I started in December I took a break from it in January because it was taking me forever and I wasn't meeting any of my reading goals it was 1700 pages and I finally finished it it was called Jenny um by Ralph G. Martin it was a biography about Churchill's mother I'm so glad that I finished it it was really good I don't know how the fuck to rate it like I didn't enjoy it but it was good and factual, so I gave it a four. Holy shit, Jackie. I know. I'm so glad that it's done, and it's not on my reading shelf anymore. Then I read On a Quiet Street by Serafina Nova Glass. So which is good. A thriller. So good. I really liked it. And then I remembered why I didn't read it sooner, and it was because both you and Dana read it one month, and you both recapped yeah. it, and Dana said she didn't like it. Right? What was Yes, it and I did. On a Quiet on Street a quiet by... Street. Oh, I hate it. What's to hate? Right. I don't know. The writing. You trusted Dana's recommendation. I went in with too high of expectations. It also just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. Wait, I just want to clarify. I want to clarify. You didn't read it because Dana said that. Yes, I trusted Dana's recommendation over yours. My reading preferences align closer with Dana than yours things in which but this is a win for you snitch things in which we leave on the floor to end in the fire (laughs) what that's like a book you would read (laughs) 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 
Anyways, I really liked On a Quiet Street, so Margot was right for that one. Gave it five stars. It was a really good thriller, and it was like giving me like a, a pit in my stomach, which I guess is good. Then it's I read the suspense. perfect. Oh, she's coming out swinging. She's coming okay. out swinging. If you, you guys really see, your wife. if you could see the way Snitch is sitting right now, like she's lean. The only one like leaned back in her chair. She looks like she's like a spotlight on her face, and like we're under investigation. No, she's hosting a water cooler chat. Yeah. Okay, then I read The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose, another thriller that has a really high rating on Goodreads. So I was like, I'll read it. Claudia said it was pretty good. And I didn't love it, but I gave it three stars. It was good. I would, you know, recommend it. I think I read it in two days, but I didn't love the twist. It wasn't my twist of choice. Your twist of choice. Dana, what about you? Three Trash Books, um, <laughs> Biography of X by Catherine Lacey. I gave it a 2.5. The beginning was solid, but it was a million pages long and it could not justify the end. I won't even waste my breath on it. It was terrible. Um, Looking for Jane by Heather Marsha. I think a lot of people would like this. It just wasn't for me. I gave it a 2.7. And then I read The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Condera. This was okay. I gave it a 3.0. I actually found it via Michelle Goodman, nay, Tettenbaum's Insta story because she was soliciting book recs and and then posted like a notes page of Mm -hmm. what everyone had recommended. And every book on there was fire. I was like, this is amazing. This is even better. This is even better. I love this one. I was like, oh, this is the one I haven't read. Let me try it. Of course, I picked the only dunce in the whole group. That's so funny. I screenshotted that story too because the books that I had read on that list were really strong. So I was like, well, then the rest might be really good too. That's exactly how I felt. What's so funny is I was actually talking to her about that list (laughs) and I was convinced that Dana, you got in there with recommendations because A Little Life was on there so many times. And I was like, did Dana like force you into this against (laughs) your will? And she's going on a vacation, you guys. I was oh. like, do not read A Little Life. Like, please, save yourself. Like, you can read it another time. Just not on, like, your delightful vacation. That is yeah. so funny. We were all deeply affected by Michelle's Insta story. That's so funny. So yeah. She's our friend from college. Yeah, I put that together. <laughs> Anyways, before I let you ladies go, what is our next book? It is a snitch's choice. We will be reading it for our October episode. So we have two months to read it. Snitch, what are we reading? And we why? Are reading and fo- why? We are reading The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. It's honestly, it's what all the girly pops are reading oh. these days. And I just figured, like, we need we needed, like, another book that, like, all the kids are reading. You know, like, it's been a long time since we've been part of it. And, like, I think we need to be part of it. And apparently it's just really good. It's also, I don't know why it's popping off right now. Because it's definitely, it's not a new book. Like, there is a sequel to it. But for some reason, everybody's reading it. Um, this book is everywhere right now. Everywhere. Like, literally every day I get a DM. Like, you have to read The Fourth Wing. So, and I think it's, like, fantasy. I, I was going to say it's, like, fantasy. Like, it's definitely, like, suspended reality or, like, creatures. Not, like, vampires, but, like, something like that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm excited. Because I was going to read it regardless. And then I was, like, and then Did I was going to choose it. my doorman recommend it to you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to choose it. And then I was, like, no, like, whatever. There's a sequel. And then Jackie texted me that night and was, like, have you heard of The Fourth Wing? And I was, like, oh, my God, yeah. I was thinking about choosing it. And she was, like, I think you should. So well, yeah, so we are. don't don't read it too soon because we have quite. I a know. Until the next I'm annoyed. I want I to like, read it next. <laughs> I'm annoyed too because that feels so far away. But you know what? It'll be here before we know it. Thank you so much to my girls, Becca, date Becca, Dana, Snitch, Becca. 
like, Becky, Dana, and Snitch. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you again in October. Take the next month off to go catch up on some old Redheads episodes, some of our top books. You know what? Let me give you our top 10 according to our Redheads ranking. That's extremely inaccurate. One, Before We Were Strangers. Highly recommend. So good. Two, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Fire so Flames. Good. So good. Three, A Flicker in the Dark. Four, mm-hmm. The Nature of Fragile Things. I do think this one, was a li- we overrated it a little bit. Definitely. I agree. I don't even remember what it was about. It was good when we San read Francisco it, but like, fires. when I think back on it, I'm like, sure. Historical fiction. Five, Midnight Library. Slays. Oh, so good. Six, Lessons in Chemistry. Love, Elizabeth Dot, And it's coming out on Apple TV soon, oh, so yeah. you might want to read the book. Sick. Seven, Horse. Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lexington. Eight, nothing to see here. Nine, I could live here forever. And ten, the invisible life of Addie LaRue. I like wow. that. That's a great list. I find yeah. nothing ten, wrong Ten, nine, eight, and seven. Wow. Oh, wow. I have that number makes. one, and that's it. And you know what? I'm happy about that. You guys. Snitchy oh, LaRue. I only have what? number six, Lessons in Chemistry. Where the hell is my dark Vanessa? You guys, my oh. dark Vanessa, It we... Our episode of it, there were two people who really didn't like it, and therefore, it's number twenty-five. Who and didn't where like it? Rebecca it and Margot. <laughs> I couldn't remember what I said. Rebecca and Margot didn't like it, and we're very like, hard. Where on it. is Clara in the sun? And honestly, where's in five years? That was a great one. Oh yeah, in five Clara, years, I thought was up there. No, in five years is number thirty-one, oh, and Clara wrong. in the Sun is number thirty-five. Oh, because it's the worst book of all time. <laughs> No, you're you guys, wrong today I got coffee with someone that I actually met at the Spritz um, pickle party, and she like works at Google. And my phone was down. She goes, "Oh, do you like the redheads?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know how to answer this question. Love them, <laughs> love one them. Of them, love them, That's love so them, one of them, love them." That's so funny. Okay, well, I love you guys. Hope everyone has a blessed day, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Love ya. Bye.